Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody, once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King on Thanksgiving week as we get ready for the college and pro football cards. We're set to go against the spread on this football show this week. And with it, I want to welcome our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports aboard. Victor, happy Thanksgiving week to you and your family. And welcome aboard for this Thanksgiving edition show here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thank you very much, uh, Mark. And uh, right back to you and uh, Colleen and uh, Mark Jr. We hope you have a fantastic Thursday, as well as all of our listeners in what many consider to be the most enjoyable sports betting weekend of the entire year. Well, Victor, I will say this about this week in college football. It is hands down the most attractive college football card we've Mm -hmm. seen all season long. I mean, uh, I was on with Mitch and Pauly on VEASAN this morning. We were talking about the card and pointed out the fact that there are 10 underdogs on the college football card this week that will all be in bowl games with five other possible underdogs that could qualify to be in bowl games. Uh, wow. it's, it, it's deep and as rich as a college football <laughs> card as I've seen in a long, long time. And, uh, you know, with that, you and I, we're going to hit on something a little bit different here on the show. We're going to talk about some uh, rivalry week, if you will. We'll do a two-minute drill on that. Before I get to that, though, I want to mention this, though, that last week in college football, all top eight teams won their football games, only two of them covered, by the way, but uh, the top eight teams that were in the rankings all won their games, so consequently, not much a a movement in the college football rankings. Anything, observations you have about the rankings, Victor, before we get into our two-minute drills? No, but it was another good week, a profitable week, I might add, in which an unranked opponent, at the very, very least, Covered the point spread at a high percentage against a ranked opponent. You just mentioned those top eight teams and how not a lot of them actually covered the spread. And this is a situation that historically has been very, very good, particularly when that unranked team is playing at home. They are obviously the play. There's obviously value on that particular side. And that's what I took away from last week. I agree with you, Victor. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens with these one-loss teams, how they can position themselves, keep themselves in the hunt. The Notre Dames of the college football world playing this week cannot afford a loss. They lose this game. For all intents and purposes, they will likely be out of the college football playoffs if for no other reason they do not play in a conference. They won't be able to remedy that loss. They'll probably fall from the top four to five or six and not be able to climb back up in a in a foreseeable matchup here. But with that, let's talk a little bit, Victor, here, if we can. It's rivalry week in college football. Let's do a little bit of a two-minute drill if we can. And uh, There's nine games that we're going to talk about that are rivalry football games on tap this weekend. And uh, we'll see if we can keep it under the clock at two minutes. We probably can't, but we'll give it a good try. <laughs> <laughs> and if you would, Victor, you want to kick off our two-minute rivalry week drill on the show this week. You know, one of my favorite sports is playing ping pong indoors, and I just love that back and forth and what a fantastic volley 
uh, can be in terms of excitement and ping pong. But anyway, I'm going to first game I'm going to throw out to you is uh, in terms of rivalry week is South Carolina at Clemson. My quick two sentences: Dabo Sweeney has beaten the tar out of well, Will Muschamp twice in a row now. The Gamecocks have spiced up their offense this year, but they're running up against America's best defense, Mark, in terms of yards allowed per play in Clemson. What do you got? Well, what you say, Victor, Dabo Swinney has beaten up on the Gamecocks, but before Dabo Swinney came aboard, it was all South Carolina in this series here. And with, uh, I would say this, with Clemson looking ahead to the ACC title game, uh, I just wonder whether they can keep the foot on the pedal in this huge rivalry matchup. Let's switch it over, Victor, now to the in-state Georgia rivalry matchup between the Georgia Bulldogs and Georgia Tech. Georgia, much like Clemson, has their big ACC championship game on deck, and Georgia Tech playing some of the best football of all the college football teams going into this game. Very, very good stuff. You know, uh, the option offense there could be problematic, I think, for a Bulldogs team that's on pace to allow its most yards per carry. They're at 4.12 since the 2014 season. Look out, Georgia. Here comes Georgia Tech Ball Johnson and that running game that's completed a total of only six passes in their last four games. Next up, let's go out, head out to the Northwest, Mark. We're going to talk about the Pac-12 Conference and a really big game in the Pac-12 North, Washington versus Washington State. Again, I just told you the winner takes the Pac-12 North. Mike Leach has done a lot of great things, but beating the hated Huskies is not one of them, Mark. He's lost five straight, all by double digits. Your take on this game. Well, this is a huge football game, as you say, Victor, for both teams. The winner does win the Pac-12 and goes to the championship game. Interesting note here that before the season began, the Huskies, who were the overwhelming choice to win the Pac-12, were installed as 14 and a half point favorites in this game. Now they're dressing up as three point underdogs hmm. with a chance to win the conference championship. I'm sure they will come to play. And to that, I would say, Victor, how about them apples? Good stuff there. You know, we got a good in state rivalry down here in the Sunshine State, Mark. Central Florida against South Florida. They call it the War for I 4. It's a precocious young rivalry. It produced the most entertaining regular season game of last season, a 49-42 win by the Knights. I'll say this, the South Florida team, it's not as good as last year, Mark, but it's unwise, I think, to expect Charlie Strong to be blown out in this setting. What do you say? I say the same thing. I don't think Charlie Strong lays down for anybody, especially in a rivalry football game where he was beat last year in a war, in a shootout, if you will. Remember this, Central Florida undefeated the pressure of winning on the road. Their final game is immense. Charlie Strong, 11-2 and two to the spread as a double-digit dog. How about down here, Victor, in the state of Florida? The Florida Gators taking on Florida State in a huge rivalry football game. This is back to the wall time for Florida State. They don't win this football game. They'll be home for the holidays for the first time in 27 years. They've dominated the Gators in the past, winning seven of the last eight games straight up. What do you see in this big, huge rivalry matchup in the state of Florida? Number one, I think it's interesting that our second Florida in-state rivalry game is actually Florida versus FSU, and we talked about Central Florida, South Florida first. That's kind of the way the programs have gone, <laughs> and it seemed like a long shot a couple of weeks ago for Florida State 
to extend their NCAA record consecutive bowl streak currently at 36 years, uh, especially when they were four and six coming off three straight blowout losses. But they kept their hopes alive with a big comeback win against Boston College, and they got a little bit of fire in their bellies this week taking on the Gators. Let's head over to back to the Pac-12 conference, if you will, Mark, this time in the southwest portion of the country, Arizona State taking on Arizona. This is one of a handful of games this week in which the uh, winner has got bowl eligibility already. The loser is just one game away. The Sun Devils are already bowl eligible at 6-5. to five. The Wildcats are 5-6 and six on the season. Which of the first-year head coaches, Mark, will get their first taste of what they call the Territorial Cup glory? Well, that's a good point, Victor. Both first-year head coaches for each of these Arizona schools here, Kevin Summon with the Wildcats, Herm Edwards with the Sun Devils. The Wildcats need the win to become bowl eligible. Arizona State right now has that elusive sixth victory in their back pocket. The question is, can Arizona rise up to Arizona State, who's playing their best football of the season? Let's switch it over now to the Midwest, Victor, here. The Indiana Hoosiers playing host to Purdue in a big season-ending rivalry football game. The Indiana Hoosiers need a win here to become bowl eligible, as does Purdue. The key stat here, Victor, last year both teams each needed wins to go bowling. Purdue won the game. They went bowling. Can Indiana repay the favor? The exact same situation this year. Very, very interesting. Number one, there is already speculation out there that Jeff Brown might be on his way to Louisville. I think that speculation is weighing on the team and has in the last couple of weeks. One thing I do like about this game, I think it's going to be pretty high scoring, Mark. Let's head to the SEC conference. Let's talk about a game, another game in which it's the same scenario, Mark, as the old Oaken Bucket the one that we just talked about, and it's Tennessee against Vanderbilt. Both teams five and six. The winner goes somewhere, and the loser goes nowhere and goes nowhere fast. I think we can expect Vandy quarterback Kyle Shermer's home career to end on a positive note. What do you think about this game, Mark? Well, matchup of two coaches, uh, one a new coach, Jeremy Pruitt for Tennessee, the first-year coach. The other one, Derek Mason, a longtime coach for Vanderbilt, who is probably on the hot seat. He's probably got to win this game, Victor, to save his job. And I think I like his chances in this game as well. Tennessee came up flat in a big football game they should have showed up last week. We'll see if Vanderbilt can return the favor this Saturday. Staying down south, Victor, you mentioned uh, or Virginia, Virginia Tech, not so much down south, but the bottom line here, a huge rivalry football game inside the ACC for our final spin on our two-minute drill rivalry games, football games here. The big news for Virginia Tech, if they win this football game, they've added Marshall to the slate. They'll play December 1st as an add-on game from the Hurricane Florence postponement here. So a chance for Virginia Tech to extend their 27-year College Bowl win streak. I think they come alive in a series that they dominated, won 16 straight games in a row. Well, we got two matchups of uh, in Bronco Mendehall versus Justin Fuente, Virginia. In those two matchups, it scored a total of only 10 points marked. However, we talked about it last week. This is the worst defense in Bud Foster's gilded tenure. And this is the best Cavaliers team since 2011, at least. Could be a very, very close game right down to the wire. I kind of like the way this went, Mark, a little back and forth. We've got plenty in our back pocket. 
including we've got some great angles on the Auburn-Alabama game, but let's save that one for our NCAA Game of the Week. Well, if we had a horn, we'd sound it now. Our two-minute drill is over, Victor. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, let's hop it over to the NFL side of things where we just witnessed Monday night what might be the greatest flag football game in history. It seemed to be that way when they were going up and down the field and going just trading punches back and forth, but highly entertaining to say the least. I don't think anybody that watched that football game came away disappointed, Victor. You mentioned flag football. It couldn't be any better than that comment. You know how many penalties the Kansas City Chiefs had in that game. It seemed like every play was either a 30-yard offensive explosive play or a penalty. So you're absolutely right. It was an instant classic. Uh, Many of us were on the over in that game, myself included. Yeah, there's not a heck of a lot of value when the closing line is 63.5. But we've thrown out this number numerous times in the past uh, about NFL games with an extremely high over-under line. That line is usually justified with an over-result. It happened again on Monday, as you well. The highest-scoring Monday night game in history, the first time that both teams combined to score at least 50 points in a game. Instant classic, you better believe it. You know, Victor, they say in Vegas, Jimmy Vaccaro, I heard him talking afterwards, that if these same two teams were to meet in the Super Bowl this year, somebody asked him, what would they post the over-under total at? Oh, my. And the word in Vegas is 71 points. Oh, my God. That's eight <laughs> points higher. That's that is amazing. And we'd probably bet the over as well. And, and maybe they'd, win. And they, <laughs> they'd have to do it, Victor. I mean, everybody will remember what they saw. They saw 100 points right. scored in a football game. And, uh, you know, Super Bowl people who watch games and bet totals and Super Bowls love to go over anyway. So get set. If these two teams make it, we will be watching the Super Bowl game with the highest ever point spread over under total in NFL history. And speaking about history, Victor, how is things shaken out from a point spread perspective from the database this year in the NFL as far as sides and over under totals go as we head into this? This week. Last week was another good week for dogs. Now, it depends on some of these were ties. It depends what your closing line was. I'll say this one more remark about the Chiefs-Rams game. If you bet the side in that game, either the favorite or the underdog, there's re- and, if you're, and if you're a smart, sharp gambler, there's really no way that you should have lost in that game at all. I say that because you could have got the Chiefs plus three and a half virtually any time during the week. And over the weekend, if you waited till Monday, you probably could have got the Rams minus three in that game and at the very, very least pushed. So if for any reason you bet the side in that game and you lost, you got to rethink your betting strategy. There's no way you should have had an L in that game, regardless of which way you bet on it. With that said, dogs went 7-3-3 and ATS last week. It's been a good year for the dogs in the NFL, 80 67 and 8, something that uh, got my attention when I was updating the database early this morning were dogs coming in off their bye week have done very well lately. They've gone 9 and 3 ATS in the last seven weeks. We've got five of these such dogs coming up this week. You mentioned the historic uh, scoring season in the NFL, Mark, and You better believe it. The average points per game last weekend was 51.6. Of course, the numbers are skewed a little bit, a little higher, based on the fact that the Monday night game had 105 points in it. Uh, Regardless, nevertheless, it was the second highest scoring week of the season. 
I'll say this, though. The lines makers, they know what they are doing as in terms of actual over-under results this year. There's been 81 overs. There's been 80 unders. We're basically right down the middle, wow. 11 weeks into the season. Yeah, great job by the lines makers. And one game in which they did a great job that I'm still steaming a little bit about was our King Creole five-star game of the month on Sunday was on over the total in the Saints game at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. The over-under line in the game closed right around 56 56 and a half points. Now, when we handicapped the game, of course, we assumed the Saints would score their 35 to 38 points at home, like they have in the last three seasons at home. We anticipated the Philadelphia Eagles would get at the very minimum 17 to 20 points. They're usually good for that. They had a tremendous offensive season last year. They didn't get it, folks. They only got seven points. A touchdown in the second quarter was the only scoring all game long for the Philadelphia Eagles. I know I'm disappointed in the outcome of the game. Hey, the Saints did all the heavy lifting. They scored, what, 48 points? Regardless, the game ended up going under the total by one point. A good job by the Lions makers. We had our shots to win that game, particularly at the end. We didn't do it, but it's another reason why they've done such a great job setting the lines during an historic high-scoring season. We're still basically right down the middle in terms of over-under results. Yeah, that was a bad beat, Victor, to say the least as far as totals go in that football game when your team puts up 41 points and the other opponent can't carry a little bit of the freight of the weight on their end. Right. But you know something? It will all come back in the end. There's no question about yep. it as, as you keep handicapping these football games and doing a great job doing just that. Before we go to break here, one quick note here, guys, that uh, on Thanksgiving Thursday, the Washington Redskins are going to start Colt McCoy at quarterback this week against the Dallas Cowboys. And this is an interesting note I got from my friends at uh, sportsreference.com. They do a terrific job as far as statistics go. And uh, as he makes the start against the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday, uh, this will be the first pass that he'll have thrown in a regular season game since 2015. But you look at McCoy, he's been played in two victories over the Dallas Cowboys with Washington. And in each of those games, or I should say both of those games combined, he's had a 108 quarterback passer rating in those football games. Of the players who have played multiple games against the Cowboys since 2014, only Drew Brees has a better passer rating. So don't back away from the Washington Redskins if you like them in this game because of Colt McCoy. Two things. Number one, he's fared well against Dallas. And number two, he's going home. He was a high school quarterback legend, and he owns all the passing records at Texas. So he loves playing in the state of Texas. Keep that thought in mind with Colt McCoy and the Washington Redskins on Thanksgiving Thursday. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our college football game of the week, a beauty, a rivalry matchup between Alabama and Auburn. When we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's Sports Data University. Located at sportsdata.com. 
All right, guys, let's get to it. Happy Thanksgiving week to you and yours. Mark Lawrence as we go against the spread with Victor King. And it's time for our college football game of the week. And it doesn't get any better than the Iron Bowl. At least down south, it doesn't get any better. When Alabama takes on Auburn, Victor, your take on the Crimson Tide and the Tigers from Auburn. Right, it was originally scheduled for a night game, rescheduled afternoon, 3.30 Eastern start. The over-under line opened at 52. Uh, It got up to 53 when I last checked uh, as we record the podcast here on Wednesday mornings. So we're somewhere around 53, working its way up very, very slowly. And that kind of works for me as I'm going to try and find where that line reaches its apex and then make a little bit of a play on the under in this game, and maybe even on the underdog and the under as well. We'll say this about Auburn. A very good under team this season. Hasn't been the best season in the world for quarterback Jarrett Stidham. This guy is supposed to be a potential NFL starter, and it's not quite the season he's had last year. Uh, in fact, the uh, Auburn offense were at 28.9 on the season. That's down about five points per game compared to last year. On the flip side, they got a really good defense, these uh, Auburn Tigers, 16.6 points per game allowed, and that's about two points per game better or lower than last year. So basically, this is a team that's minus seven overall compared to last year's version. So it's no surprise that they're three and eight over under on the year with an average line of 54, an average score of 45.5 combined points per game. So the average Auburn game has gone under this season by almost nine full points per game. Very, very interesting. Earlier in the year, we talked about Alabama, and they had some great, great over numbers. Of course, we got a potential Heisman quarterback candidate into uh, Tago Vailoa with uh, Alabama. Uh, at one point, they were, let me see, 5-1 and one to the over in their first six games for Alabama. However, their last four conference games, they've come in at 1-3 and three over under. They're not quite scoring like they did earlier in the season. You saw some of these big shutout wins they had prior to last week's game. 1-3 uh, and three over under last four conference games. Average margin of minus 12.8 points per game. I think you can see where we're going here. And, yeah, we're leaning under. We're going to wait till we get the best value in terms of the over-under line. But Auburn is a good under team on grass. 69% under the total. Their last 52 games on grass surfaces. That's 16-34-2 over-under. Uh, a very good or even better under team, I might add. When taking on winning opponents, 6-20-1 over under their last 27 against winning teams. Uh, They're 3-12 over under in their last 15 games, period, going back to last season. Alabama is a good under team in the month of November. They're a 68% under team, 20-42-1 to the under in the month of November. Uh, And one final thing, you know, each of the last three meetings of this series have indeed gone under the total. Average line, 47.1. Average score, only 41.3 combined points per game. The last nine played in Tuscaloosa have gone 2-7 and over under. Let's track the over-under line mark. Let's wait till it reaches its highest point and then make a play on under the total. 
based on the point spread, based on the over-under line, the anticipated final score is somewhere around 38 to 14. I don't think Alabama gets to 38. I do think Auburn gets a few more rather than the 14 points. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 31 to 17, that gives us about, oh, four, five, six points of value on the under. Nothing they save better victor in handicapping football games than making a case for the under and the underdog in the same game. And we can do just that here as Victor outlined about the under possibilities in this matchup in this iron ball. Auburn comes into this football game here down this football season here. But remember this guys, when the season began in Las Vegas, they put up lines on games of the year type football plays. When this line was posted in Las Vegas, before the season began, Alabama was installed as a seven-point favorite in the game. Now they're up to a whopping 24 points based upon what they've done and at Auburn's slide thus far this football season here. But the bottom line is this is still a bitter, bitter rivalry game. And it's not like an Auburn football team that has had a losing football season and is going nowhere. This is a football team that has had a good winning football season and will be going to a good quality game. Gus Malzahn, Auburn head coach, comes into the football contest here. He's going up against 15 undefeated teams as a head coach in his career. He's won six of those 15 games straight up on the field with no loss by more than 24 points in any of those 15 games against undefeated football teams. And interestingly, if you take a look, the last four games in this series in which Alabama has come into the game undefeated, Auburn is 2-2 two and two straight up in those games and has won the money all four football games. The Crimson Tide of Alabama on this mighty roll this football season here. They come in here knowing that the last 28 games in the series when Auburn has had a win percentage of 600 or better, Alabama has won only 10 of those games straight up on the scoreboard. In fact, they're just 2-10 and 10 to the spread when they were favored by three or more points in those same games. This will be the 10th year in a row that Nick Saban comes into this game after having scheduled an FCS opponent before Auburn. I think that's disgraceful to do just that, to use a scrimmage game to get ready for your biggest game of the football mm-hmm. season. But Saban has done that. That's the power of being the head coach and telling right. the athletic director how we want things shaped up in the schedule. Ten years in a row, he's faced an FCS opponent before Auburn. And I will also say this, that Saban, the penalty he may pay in this football game is the fact that Auburn shut out uh, their last opponent coming into this football game. Saban against Alabama with or against Auburn with Alabama is just one and seven to the spread in the series in games in which Auburn comes in off a shutout win. The well-oiled machine sums it up best for me in this football game here. It says that undefeated double-digit favorites in their last football game of the season face enormous pressure in these games to remain undefeated. They've come into these games here when they've taken on a winning opponent. They beat the spread in only 13 out of 38 games in this particular role here. I'm going to grab the points with Auburn in a huge overlay in this football game, take the Tigers plus the points in the Iron Bowl matchup on Saturday. Don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear down our NFL game of the week. We've got a beauty inside the NFC conference. We'll also hop out to Las Vegas and catch the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco. When we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbucks tokens are here. 
Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread in this Thanksgiving week of football games. And what a great week it is on tap. Victor and I talked about the depth of the college football card, the National Football League, with three Thanksgiving games on Thursday, followed up by an array of good-looking football games this weekend as well. With that, Let's turn it over to our NFL Game of the Week. We go inside the NFC North Division, where the Green Bay Packers travel to Minnesota to take on the Vikings in a key football game for both teams. Victor, your take on the Packers and the Vikings this Sunday. You know, this is a rare uh, scheduling situation. I was I was shocked last week when NBC flexed out of their Sunday night game. It was originally scheduled to be Jacksonville and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they went with the Bears-Vikings game instead, knowing that the Vikings were playing a Sunday night game this week as well. So it's not very often, not very often that you see a team playing consecutive Sunday night games in a row. That'll be the case, though, this week with the Vikings and the Packers. And, boy, I got to tell you, I've been going back. Talk about uh, our two-minute drill segment in college football. I've been going back and forth in this game since I started researching it on Tuesday, and I mean back and forth in regards to the potential over-under outcome. It opened at 49. There has been uh, some action coming in on the under. It's gone down to 48. There's even a couple of 47 and a halves out there. So their initial first movement in this game has been toward the under. I'm not surprised, given the nature of the series, the last eight meetings, have gone two overs, six unders between these two teams. Uh, 40.5 points per game is the average, and that's a pretty low average considering this season's earlier meeting totaled 58 points. If you remember, these two teams played each other in Green Bay. I believe it was in week two, and it ended up a 29-29 to tie. Again, that was in Green Bay. We will point out that the last four meetings played in Minnesota, have all gone under the total. Average line, 46. Average combined points, 38. Average margin, minus 8.0 points per game in Minnesota. On the season, Green Bay comes in 6-4 and four over under. Minnesota, 5-5 five and five over under. Green Bay's numbers pretty much split right down the middle in terms of home and away splits. 3-2 and two over under at home, 3-2 and two over under away however they do come into this game on a one and three over under run in their last four games meanwhile minnesota's numbers uh, a little bit more relatable or handicappable 
They've gone four and one to the over in their road games, including last Sunday night's on the road against the Chicago Bears. However, when playing the role of the host this season, Minnesota has gone one and four over under at home, minus 6.3 average margin in those home games. If you like a low-scoring game, we'll point out the fact that neither team is a top-10 scoring offense on the season right now. Green Bay, number 13. Minnesota, number 15. On defense, the numbers are a little bit better. Minnesota is still a top-five defense, as they were last season, allowing, what, 321 yards per game. Green Bay, a little bit better defense than last season, number 12 on the year. 349.1. Now, when researching individual team over-under trends, it's basically Green Bay favors an over, Minnesota favors an under. Uh, Green Bay, in their last 26 conference games, have gone 21-5. and That's right. 21 of those games have gone over. Only five have gone under. They're also a good over team on the road, a much better road over team than at home. Their last 23 road games over the last three seasons, have gone 18-5 and over-under, and they're trending over within division play, 10-2 and over-under their last 12 division games. You see numbers like that, and over-betters are starting to lick their chops, definitely. However, we got to balance things out. Minnesota, dating back to last season, a good home-under team, 3-9 and over-under last 12 home games. Also, historically, a good under team in division play. 7-19 and 19 for Minnesota over under their last 26 division games against NFC North opponents. So, hey, this is one of those games where we got numbers that can basically su- support either side, over or under. And when you got that, what do you do? Well, you usually pass. The series history is relatively low scoring. Minnesota numbers favor the under. Green Bay stats skew to the over. My first impression was I lean over. And I still do very, very slightly, Mark. But here's the main reason why. You know, both of these teams are in very unfamiliar positions. One or both are used to being on top in that NFC North, looking down at everybody else. However, this is the first time that both teams are in that unfamiliar position of looking up in the NFC North standings at the Chicago Bears. So that means this game is even more crucial to both teams, particularly Green Bay. You pull everything out of your playbook you possibly can. If you got some trickery in there, do it as well. With that said, I'm going to lean over. Uh, I may wait to see if the line goes down even further so we can perhaps scrape another half point of value out of it if we can. So right now we'll lean over. But, Mark, there's better over-unders to be playing this weekend in the NFL. Victor leans to the over total in the Packers-Vikings game Sunday night in the featured marquee game on NBC TV. Taking a look at this football matchup here coming into the game, the Green Bay Packers enter the contest. They would currently be the number nine seed in the NFL playoffs if the playoffs were to begin this weekend on the outside looking in. Minnesota would be the number six seed, so they'd be in the playoffs. This ends up being thus a huge game for both teams, but particularly for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are the number nine seed in the football game because they own a losing record this year. Kind of rare to find Aaron Rodgers quarterbacking a losing Green Bay Packer football team. But when he has in the past with the Green Bay Packers, he's been outstanding 
in those particular games. 21 and 8 straight up, 18, 10 and 1 to the spread, including 9 and 1 straight up and 8 and 2 in division games with a losing record. Rodgers comes in here having lost seven straight road games in a row, the first time in his NFL career doing just that. The Minnesota Vikings, you take a look and you break this football team down, guys. I take a look at their wins this football season here. Their five wins this season. They've come against 2-8 and eight San Francisco, 2-8 and eight Arizona, 4-6 and six Philadelphia, 3-7 and seven the New York Jets, and 4-6 and six the Detroit Lions. That makes their opponents a combined 15-35 and 35 on the season this year. The Minnesota Vikings, they have not stepped up against any quality football team this year. The question here is, is Green Bay a quality football team? And I think with Aaron Rodgers behind the helm, my answer to that would be yes, they are. One other final note here, quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins, comes into this football game. He struggled in his NFL football career. If you take a look at Cousins in division football games, He's only 9-15-1 straight up, meaning he's won only 9 of 25 division games on the scoreboard. He's really struggled in football games just like this. The bottom line here to me, Aaron Rodgers, outstanding in division football games in his career, especially in division games when he's coming off a loss. His record with the Green Bay Packers in division games off a loss, 17-4 straight up and against the spread including a perfect 6-0 of the spread when he's been on the road. With that, I'll grab the points with the Green Bay Packers for my side in this big Sunday night football game. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas on this hectic Thanksgiving Thursday weekend and join in with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and I hope you're all set for this upcoming football week. I certainly am, Mark, and uh, want to wish you, Victor, all your families and listeners, of course, the happiest, healthiest, and safest of Thanksgivings as we uh, celebrate uh, all the blessings we have living in the United States. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, we're really, really fortunate with that. There's no doubt about that, Andy. And we're also fortunate that we happen to love the world of handicapping games for a living, uh, doing just that. And no better time to be doing it than right now with college basketball, the NBA, the NHL college football and the NFL all underway and the football season coming down, getting close to the stretch run in college football and the National Football League side also heading to the third three-quarter poll as well. Uh, Andy, I did not see your newsletter thus far yet this week, but uh, if you would, I want to remind our listeners out there, it's a good time to be checking in. Last week when we talked last, you had done a uh, an overview, if you will, on the key numbers in the National Football League on over-under totals. And you and Victor have gone uh, back and forth a little bit about that. Is part two contained in the newsletter this week? Yeah, it went out a little late uh, in the overnight hour, so you may not have had a chance to see it. But uh, uh, I've not uh, had any bounce back, so uh, it should be there waiting for you when we uh, when we are finished with this podcast. And uh, part two actually uh, presents some data as far as how the lines have shifted over the years. In other words, uh, what the average line has been going back really to the start of the study, which is uh, the 1982 season, the average total line and the average total points per game, and how it's shifted over various eras, breaking it down actually from 1982 to, I believe it was 19. 
1993. And the reason that was chosen was because in the following year, 1994, the NFL adopted the two-point conversion rule. And then we brought that up to the season, to, to uh, the, the, the last season, 2017, and then also showed a breakdown of what it's been over the last three seasons. And that sort of leads up to uh, the concluding part, which will be in next week's issue, uh, where I sort of uh, discuss what uh, what all this means, how to take advantage of it. What I do in this in, in presenting the data this week also is take a look at the 80% range in which totals are generally sent. In other words, uh, roughly uh, 80% of the totals uh, total lines in the last three seasons, 2000. Uh, 15, 16, and 17 have been roughly between uh, our, our range of 40 and a half to 50 and a half. And what I do then is take a look at how many totals actually land outside this 80% range. How many, how many games actually land on totals below 40 and a half or above 50 and a half? Just to give some perspective. And next week I discuss the opportunities that all this data presents to us. It's Andy Isco visiting us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And I encourage our listeners to download a copy of his newsletter. Log on to the website at TheLogicalApproach.com just in time for the football games this weekend. And Andy, I know we're also getting down to getting near, pretty near stretch time in the Westgate Superbook contest here. If you would, if you can update some of the results that have happened in the past, where we stand with the leaderboard as we go into this turkey weekend as well. Yes, Mark, it's hard to believe, but 11 down and 6 to go. So we're basically two-thirds of the way uh, through the 2018 season. And, gosh, it it seems like it was just the other day that we were all running around in shorts and enjoying uh, fun times at uh, the Westgate uh, Super Contest weekend. But (laughs) that's been three months ago now since uh, since late August. But uh, it's been a very competitive contest, both in the Super Contest, Super Contest Gold, as well as in the Golden Nugget Contest. And turning first to the... The Super Contest Gold, that's the contest that carries the $5,000 entry fee, winner take all. So no second place prize, just winner take all. About 125 contestants in that one. Last week, the consensus was three and two, the top five selections. So for the year, 29 winners, 21 losers, and five pushes. Uh, the uh, uh, consensus would have earned a total of 31.5 out of 55 potential points. That's 57.3% of the uh, total points available. Uh, that's the uh, the way that I compute the percentage. Half a point for a push, one point for a win, no points for an ATS loss. As far as the leaderboard goes, uh, the two leaders are tied at 36, 18, and 1. That's 36.5 out of a possible 55 total points. That works out to 66.4%. A total of 20 of the 120 so uh, contestants are hitting at 60% or better. Last week, the Super Contest Gold consensus winners uh, were the New York Giants, the Cincinnati Bengals, and Monday night, the Kansas City Chiefs. They were plus three and a half in that contest. The Giants were minus one and a half in a game that actually, for most betters who played it on Sunday, would have pushed as the Giants closed as three-point favorites over Tampa Bay and Cincinnati plus six and a half in that game against Baltimore. The line for which, the actual betting line for which, did not come out until Saturday afternoon, but the contest lines come out 
on Wednesday afternoons, and they do not move. And so they try to have a, a guesstimate as to how close that line will be to what ultimately prevails at closing. The two losing selections in the consensus for the Super Contest Gold this past week were actually the top two uh, selections. The Minnesota Vikings getting the two and a half in their loss at Chicago Sunday night, and the Philadelphia Eagles, who were ran into that uh, steamroller known as the New Orleans Saints. They were plus eight and a half and had that covered until about the national anthem. The consensus for the year, again, 29, 21, and five. As far as the main contest goes, uh, the consensus last week in the uh, regular super contest that you now refer to as the super contest classic, that consensus was two and three this past week. Winners being on the Kansas City Chiefs, also the number one uh, selection for the uh, week, plus the three and a half. That Monday night winner uh, was selected by more than a third of the more than 3,100 entrants in the uh, contest. The other winner, the Indianapolis Colts, laying the two points to the Tennessee Titans. The three losers this past week were the Carolina Panthers, four-point favorites at Detroit. The Minnesota Vikings, also like with the Super Contest Gold in that Sunday night game at Chicago. And the Houston Texans laying three at the Washington Redskins. A tough loss as the Texans seemingly had that game in control. But I'll tell you something, Mark, for a team that's won seven straight games, as the Houston Texans have, they've not been very impressive, basically, in maybe all but one of those wins. So it's interesting to see how that division uh, will turn out with the Indianapolis Colts playing some of the best football uh, in the entire league right now, uh, certainly better than any team uh, not named New Orleans, L.A., Rams, or Kansas City. The consensus for the year now 30 and 25. That's 54.6% of winners for the uh, top five plays each week. Breaking it down, when the more popular side of the game is the betting favorite, those results are 41, 47, and 5. That's 46.8%. So the field has not fared well playing favorites. They haven't done all that much better playing underdogs either. In fact, they are at exactly uh, break even from a wagering standpoint, 11 to 10. 33 winners, 30 losers, and two pushes. That's 52.3%. The three games that were pick them in the contest this year, the consensus has been on the correct side on two of those games. And so for the year, the overall field of uh, contestants, the 3,100 plus, 76 winning selections, 78 losing selections, seven games have ended up in point spread ties for the uh, uh, for the contest. That works out to 49.4%. As far as the leaderboard goes, there is one leader who is at 41 and 14. That's a total of 41 out of a possible 55 points. That's slightly under 75%. That's 74.6%. The contest this year pays the top 100 plus ties. Right now, 84 contestants hitting at 64.6% or better, are eligible for full payouts for, the, for those 84 placers. There are 27 contestants at 35 points, which is 63.6%. Those 27 contestants are tied and would split the final 16 payoff positions between slots 85 and 100. That's the Westgate contest. In the Golden Nugget contest, the uh, leader continues to be a name very well known throughout the handicapping community, Paul Stone. He has two entries. His second entry is doing very well, but uh, his leading entry, and he's been leading the contest for uh, the past month or so, he's got a phenomenal record. Now, in the Golden Nugget contest, that's a $2,000 entry fee. You make seven selections against a point spread in either colleges 
or totals, seven picks per week no, uh, against colleges or NFL, no totals involved, sides only. It's seven selections per week, and this year the contest runs for everybody the full 17 weeks. So 77 selections have already been made, and Paul leads with 52 up, 21 down, and four pushes. That's a total of 54 of a possible 77 points. That works out to a winning percentage or a success percentage of 70.1%. In all, a total of uh, 28 contestants are hitting uh, 62.3% or higher, and I mentioned 28. The contest pays the top 20 finishers plus ties. 18 right now are in sole possession of the top 18 paying spots. 28 contestants are tied for the final two paying spots. And just a little side note here, if you finish in the top 10, you make a profit in the contest, getting more than your $1,000 back. If you finish 11th through 20th, you get your entry fee back. Although, again, now those tying for the final few places, for example, those eight, those uh, ten people, excuse me, ten people currently tied for the final two spots, they would uh, split up the uh, $10,000 being doled out to the uh, ten, uh, those who finish uh, t- 11th through 20th. Andy Isco joining us with an update of the contest in Las Vegas from the Westgate Superbook and the Golden Nugget, where we're coming down closer and closer to the stretch run in those contests. And uh, Andy, before I hand it over to Victor, and I know Victor's got a question he wants to run by you on the show, if you would, uh, maybe a little bit of a quick overview on some line moves that have occurred with these three Thanksgiving Day Thursday games this week, <clears throat> excuse me, and the regular assortment of games on Sunday from Jay Cornegay at the NFL Superbook, any line moves that you think are noteworthy on the show this week? Well, I'll, I'll discuss the three uh, for Thursday because those will have great interest with uh, virtually the entire nation watching those games as they celebrate Thanksgiving with uh, family and friends. The early game, Chicago at Detroit last week. Let me just uh, set this up again. On Tuesday of the week preceding the intervening week. So, for example, we're talking about week 12, game, week 12 games on the Tuesday preceding the play of the games in week 11. Uh, Jay Cornegay and his staff at the Westgate Superbook here in Vegas put up actual betting lines that you can wager on up until uh, the games of that intervening weekend. Uh, so, for example, the Chicago Bears last week, uh, before uh, their Monday, before their Sunday night game against Minnesota, and before uh, Detroit played its game against Carolina, the Bears you could bet them at minus three and a half. That was the opening number. The game came down while those teams were in action on Sunday, and when it came back up or was put back up, uh, the Bears remained three or opened again as three-and-a-half-point favorites. There was some movement in that game initially to the Bears to four-point favorites, and then downwards, some money came in on the Lions, no doubt, to the uh, reconsideration of the travel implications uh, or the, the timing implications, not just the travel, of playing the late Sunday night game and then the early Thursday morning game. Uh, that line has come down to where it settled in with the Bears a three-point favorite. Washington at uh, Dallas, of course, uh, Washington uh, now with uh, Colt McCoy uh, into uh, back uh, in, in place of Alex Smith, who's out for the season. Last week, the Cowboys were five-point home favorites over their division rival Washington Redskins. Uh, of course, Alex Smith lost for the season. Uh, Dallas uh, had that uh, nice win at Atlanta. Uh, Washington, of course, uh, had, its, uh, had its issues this past Sunday uh, in addition to Smith. Uh, well, as a result, and largely due to... To uh, Smith's absence, the Cowboys opened as seven and a half point home favorites. Was bet up to eight, and then back down to where it sits at seven and a half. And finally, the Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints, the Thursday night uh, dessert for 
all of our uh, Thanksgiving Day fans. They were an 11-point favorite, already a very high number before this past week's actions. Of course, we saw what the Saints did to the Philadelphia Eagles. We saw the Falcons uh, lose that very tight game at home to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, when the game came back, uh, there was only, and, and this is, I say only because it's really a small adjustment, only a point and a half. The Saints opened as 12 and a half point home favorites, whereas they had been 11 previously uh, to uh, to that weekend. Uh, the early action, the first move actually came in on the Falcons, was bet down to 12, but the Saints uh, were then bet up and remain above that uh, adjusted opening number of 12 and a half. They are currently 13-point home favorites. As far as touching upon some of the other games with notable moves without uh, going into much of the potential reasons why, Tampa Bay was a five-point home favorite against the San Francisco 49ers a week ago. When that game went back up on Sunday, they were down to a three-point home favorite, bet up to three and a half. Perhaps one of the biggest moves involved the Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles looking horrible in that loss to uh, the New Orleans Saints and the Giants uh, beating the aforementioned Tampa Bucks for a second straight win coming back uh, from their bye week after they had previously beaten San Francisco. Eagles were nine and a half point home favorites a week ago when that line went back up on Sunday. Uh, the line opened at six for the Eagles, went down to five and a half and back up to six. And you can approach that game in several ways, Mark. Some people will say, gee, you know, the Eagles were nine and a half point favorites. And on the basis of that one game, we saw more than a field goal move. The value has to be uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles laying only six. The contrarian position to that uh, position would be, you know what? The Giants are playing with momentum. The Eagles are playing even worse than we thought. Maybe that moved down to six wasn't large enough. We'll let the betters decide. And right now, after a brief flirtation with taking the points with the Giants, uh, that lines back up to that adjusted opener of six. Uh, the other one worth noting, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Denver Broncos. The Pittsburgh Steelers decided to play football for about the last 16 minutes of that game in Denver, uh, in Jacksonville last Sunday, trailing 16 nothing and rallying for three touchdowns in the final quarter plus a minute, and they ended up winning 20-16. to 16. That line, line, by the way, actually closed at many sports books, including the West Book, with the Steelers, who had been five and a half and six much of the week, actually closed with the Steelers as a four-point favorite. So late money on Jacksonville caused this game to be charted, as far as the closing number goes, in many locations, as a point spread push for the Steelers and Jags. Nonetheless, that line was a six-point favorite for this game. The Steelers, six over Denver when this line came out a week ago Tuesday. The opener on Sunday after Pittsburgh's close win at Jacksonville and Denver's uh, shocking upset on the road at the Chargers. Pittsburgh installed as a four-and-a-half-point road favorite. The early action that continues to this point has been all on the Denver Broncos. Pittsburgh now down to that key number of being a three-point road favorite at the Denver Broncos. An update of the line moves that have happened in Las Vegas at the Superbook. Uh, what Jay Cornegay's Superbook in Las Vegas at the Westgate from Andy Isco, our good friend in Las Vegas. And with that, Victor, I know before we ask Andy for his complimentary play on the show this week, you've got a question you'd like to run by him as well. I do. My quick comment is that I love this segment, Andy, in the fact that your best value in the NFL may very well be playing next week's games today. I would love to have, I mean, I like Denver plus the three points at home against the Steelers. I would love to have Denver plus six, which, as you mentioned, what you could have got last week at this time. Uh, good stuff there in terms of value. Andy, let me get your over-under comment if I can. It doesn't happen very, very often in the NFL. It's only happened three times this season, and that is all three 
primetime games going over the total. Not only did it just happen this last week, but the week before as well. So in the last two weeks in the NFL, primetime games have gone six overs and zero unders. Now, I know that the Vegas sportsbooks, they don't get the type of action on totals that they do on sides, on favorites, on underdogs. They set limits on totals. I understand that. However, with that said, if there's going to be a little bit of extra totals action in the NFL, it's probably going to be in these nationally televised night games, these night games that went a perfect 6-0 in the last two weeks. It can't have been a really, really good outcome for the sports books, particularly the Monday night game for the ages that we've talked about, which scored over, what, 100 points with the Rams and the Chiefs. Just want to get your comment on primetime games that go over the total. Well, Victor, it's it's very interesting because when I look at uh, the numbers I have that chart totals in general for the year, I'm showing that through the 161 games that have been played, 81 have gone over, mm-hmm. 79, 79 have stayed under, and one game resulted in a push. Right. So basically it's been 50-50 for the year, mm-hmm. even though there have been fluctuations week by week. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind, and that is the books would normally uh, fare probably poorest for those who would, A, put parlays in, tying together the side and total in these nighttime games, and those who would parlay the Sunday night total, for example, to the Monday night total. Uh, A lot of people will not get involved in parlaying the Thursday game into a game that's going to be played three or four days in advance. Just not, that's just not the way the majority of the public likes to manage their, their money. Like to, They like to be in action on a, we're going to find our result out within the next five to eight hours, whatever the case may be. That being said, it is the worst fear of the sports books to have, uh, maybe fear is a bit of a strong of a word. Maybe it's the worst, uh, one of the worst possible situations for the favorite and the over to come in, especially in marquee nighttime games, as you point out, or other marquee games that might be played earlier in the day on Sunday afternoon. Some might say, for example, that game between Philadelphia and New Orleans, regardless of the way that it turned out, but certainly heading into that game, had the allure of an attractive matchup with the high-flying Saints going up against the defending Super Bowl champions and situations like that. And actually, that game worked out somewhat well for the books because the early line in that Philadelphia-New Orleans game, the early total actually opened 53-and-a-half. The game landed 55, but all the action on Sunday pushed that closing total up to 57. And, of course, keep in mind that the limits earlier in the week are much less than they're going to be in the days and hours leading up to the game. So that move from, let's say, even a 55, where I believe it was on Saturday night uh, prior to the contest. In fact, I'm checking right now, according to my notes, uh, actually had been 56 and a half uh, for about two or three days. But much of, So the game had already uh, been a winner for the under for those people uh, who had uh, played it, uh, I, let's say, uh, from about uh, Thursday afternoon through kickoff, that line had already been above the 55, so those who played the under uh, had winners in that one. But yes, getting back to your original question, uh, the trio of the Thursday, Sunday, and Monday night games, when they all go over, especially the Sunday and Monday night games, not the best situation for the books. 
Lots of good stuff from Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas on this Thanksgiving weekend as we go against the spread on the football card. And Andy, before I let you get off to pumpkin pie and turkey this weekend, your complimentary play on the card, if you will. Well, I was going to uh, look at the Thursday game, but uh, uh, since many of the listeners may not be hearing this podcast until after those games are played, I'm going to go with a game on Sunday, and I'm going to go with the game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Buffalo Bills. Jacksonville, a three-point road favorite. You really have to wonder what the Jaguars are going to bring into this game with their season uh, basically over. They came into this season as being considered the most legitimate team to challenge New England for the uh, supremacy in the AFC, given what they did throughout the playoffs last year and how they basically played in that AFC championship game where they gave the Patriots a great battle. Of course, it's been a disaster for this season. And just take a look at their last two weeks. They fumble away in the final moments after mounting a comeback against the Indianapolis Colts. That could have uh, they, uh, they fumbled away a late uh, uh, play that, uh, or on a late play, that could have resulted in either a game-tying field goal that would have sent the game to overtime or gotten a winning touchdown. And they follow that up this past week by blowing a 16 to nothing late third quarter lead against the Pittsburgh Steelers on their home field. Buffalo, meanwhile, comes off of its bye week. They had to gain a little bit of momentum with that 41 to 10 beatdown of the Jets just prior to their bye. Josh Allen, the rookie quarterback, expected to suit up for and play for the Bills this week. Uh, I like Buffalo's energy that I've seen over their last few weeks. You know, this is a team that went into Minnesota early in the season and soundly beat the Minnesota Vikings. So we've seen the potential for this team. Hasn't always been on display, but I think in Jacksonville, they are facing the right kind of favor because Jacksonville's dream, not just of challenging New England for the AFC championship, but for even making the playoffs right now, appears to be done. Andy Isco fading the Jacksonville Jaguars in a matchup of a pair of surprisingly number two and number three ranked defenses in the National Football League card this Sunday. He'll be on the Buffalo Bills plus the points in that football game. And Andy, once again, a great job on the show. As always, we're going to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving and may the ball bounce your way this weekend. And to you, Mark, and your families, Victor, your families, and to all of our listeners, a very happy and healthy Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll tee it up again next week as uh, the season will be down to, gosh, only five regular season weeks remaining. But on the other hand, all 32 teams back in action. And I think the Rams and uh, Kansas City will need that extra time to regain their collective breaths after Monday night's track meet. Uh, Yes, it was a track meet, to say the least. Once again, great job on the show, Andy. Best of luck this Thanksgiving week. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. 
And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the college football card this week. We call it Mission Possible. And what we're looking to do is to play in any college football mission road dog playing with revenge coming off a non-conference win if they're taking on an opponent that comes off a straight-up NATS win. Mission teams, by the way, in football, college football, are teams that enjoyed three successive winning seasons in a row, suffered a losing season, and they come back the next year on a mission looking to return back to their winning ways. Our mission road dog playing with revenge off that non-conference win facing the opponent off a Suez win this week. Play will be on BYU. BYU in their football game against Utah this week. This angle has gone 13-1 and against the point spread since 1990. We'll grab the points with BYU for our awesome angle play on the football card this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out Victor's complimentary play on the card this week, if you will, Victor. And also, if you would, let our listeners know what you've got on tap at King Creole Sports. You know, this long weekend for us in our service, it's it's historically been a, bit, a volume week. Uh, multiple selections. Usually don't have any sort of a best bet or anything like that. And, uh, of course, we'll have multiple over-unders on Sunday, including a couple of overs. Multiple over-unders on uh, Saturday in college football. Probably one or two total on Friday. You know, Black Friday historically has, what, 10 games or more. That's a great thing as well. To check up on the games while you're doing your shopping, not to mention the three NFL games on uh, Thursday, Turkey Day, and one or two college football games. So this is our volume week and our over-under selections, of course, always available at the playbook.com website. And before I get into our free play for the week, Mark, uh, we got to talk about the, the holiday a little bit and make it a point to actually sit down and maybe reflect a little bit, but to actually celebrate uh, the upcoming holiday for me you know thanksgiving morning always will be different now it was uh, four years ago on thanksgiving morning in 2014 uh, i awoke early in the morning was having some chest difficulties it turned out it was a heart attack my wife got me to the hospital as quickly as possible the recuperation the rehab period was long most of the rest of that football season for me was pretty much a blur. But uh, when you have somebody in your life, in my case, uh, Sandy, my wife, who had my back the whole time, when you have a supportive family, when you have colleagues and well wishes from Playbook to help you get through that, you realize how inconsequential the outcome of one football game really is. It, it gives one a perspective on life. And I'm sure that every single person who's listening to the podcast, who reads our publication, has something to celebrate on the holiday. So that first cocktail you have on Thursday, let's kind of raise it all together in, in a togetherness type thing. Enjoy the holiday. And, you know, we hope you do well on your football bets uh, as well. In terms of our free play, Mark, it, sometimes it's as easy as this. Take a look at the biggest road favorite uh, on the board for that week. And if they're laying a touchdown or more, your under radar is going to be activated. That's what Monkey is doing this week. This is Monkey's under of the week for the totals tip sheet. And like I just said, sometimes it doesn't get any easier than this. 
Yes, they still have to play the game, but we're taking a look at the Patriots-Jets game. They're both coming off their bye. They're both coming off some pretty bad results as of late. You know, the Patriots lost that game to Tennessee, what was it, 27-10 to two weeks ago. The Jets have been trouble scoring on offense. The last time I looked, the Patriots were laying nine points on the road in this division game. And just from a game flow or a game script perspective, the under makes sense in this game. It opened at 47. It's down to 46 right now. You're going to want to get your action in as soon as possible. So what usually happens in these games? Well, you get a double-digit road favorite. They get out to a big lead. And once we get into the second half, what do they want to do? They want to get out of there as quickly as possible. They don't want to run up the score against their division uh, opponent. They want to play offense as conservatively as possible in the second half. That means running the football for the New England Patriots and an under-result in the Patriots-Jets game. Again, the database querying starts with these very high point spreads in terms of the road favorite. Uh, Since 2011, NFL games have gone 5, 38, and 1 over under. When the road team is favored by 8 or more points and the over-under line is 38 or greater, it's as simple as that. That's 5 overs, that's 38 unders. It applies to this Patriots-Jets game. And in fact, in the last four seasons... These games have gone 2-20 and 20 over under. That's 91% under the total. Uh, of course, uh, both of these teams scored only 10 points in their last game. In the last three years in the NFL, NFL games in which both teams scored 10 or less points in their last game have gone 0-6 over under when the over-under line is greater than 38 points. Again, I touched briefly on the fact that New York is struggling on offense In their last three games, they've scored only 10, 6, and 10 points. That's the Jets. Since 2006, NFL underdogs of four or more points who scored 10 or less in each of their last three games have gone 3, 15, and 2 over under. When the over-under line is 48 or less points, it applies to the Jets in this game, a game we see being one of the best unders on the board this week. That's your free play. Check out playbook.com. Again, for us, it's a volume week. Again, Mark, happy holiday to you and to Colleen and to uh, Mark Jr. and family. And no, we don't have a big one this week, but I know somebody else has a big game this week. Give me the skinny. Give me the 411. Mark, what do you got? The 411, Victor, 10 star college football game of the year goes this Saturday. That's our 10-star college football game of the year. It'll be part of another weekend of winners from our late phone football service. You can check out the details online at playbook.com or call my office toll-free to get on board for the 10-star college football game of the year. Weekend of winners at 1-800-321-7777. And also just a quick reminder, guys, that the playbook tokens are flying fast in the playbook store. You can get $100 in free playbook tokens to use as you choose. Check it out online at playbook.com. If you haven't registered yet, do so now to score your $100 in free playbooks tokens. And with that, I'm going to pass on my complimentary play on the football card this week, that being on the Florida State Seminoles when they take on the Florida Gators this week. Florida State will be looking to extend their 36-year bowl win streak with the victory on tap this Saturday, and I believe they're going to get that win. 
taking a look at the Florida Gators, they've struggled in the series of late. They've only won one of the last eight games against the Seminoles, five straight losses in a row. And Florida comes into this football game not playing good football this way, this way either. They've lost to the spread four straight games in a row. They're just two and two in the stats their last four football games. You've got Florida State, like I say, hungry in this football game. They come back with a big win last week. A late, long touchdown pass against Boston College kept the hopes alive to extend this bowl streak. They'll get it on Saturday. I'll play Florida State plus the points for my complimentary play on the football card this weekend. I want to wish everybody out there a very happy Thanksgiving weekend. As Victor said, get together with family and friends. Enjoy the thanks and share it with your good family and friends this weekend. And enjoy that pumpkin pie, if you will. Until next week, for Victor King from King Creole Sports, Andy Isco from the LogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, and our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.